0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I am Tara Bowen-Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Mareng. Oh,
1: hey. How's
0: it going? Oh, well, the nightmare is over. but uh, versus, uh, Round four of the Golden State versus Cavs championship is over where we can all get on with our lives. And, uh, by the tone of NBA Twitter tonight, I'm not sure we're all ready yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's a thing.
0: We all need to go outside and get some fresh air and, uh, <laughs> just try to get our lives back.
1: Yeah. I, I went into the, uh, the movies the other night and watched that new movie, Hereditary. And, uh, yeah, no going, going, staying inside right now. Just scares the living daylights out of me. If anybody wants to see a really awkward, crazy, strange, weird movie, uh, they're not they're not pitching or they're not paying me here. It's just it's one of the wilder, wilder horror movies. I think I've, I've seen in a really long time. And even then, what's what's going on, on NBA Twitter right now is kind of matching it.
0: It really is. Plus, it's raining outside and it's really cold and it's just weird out there. Hey, You know what? I'm right not totally now. against
1: the rain, for the love of God, because I've had allergies now for the second time in my life. And I am the biggest man child on the face of the planet uh at least was this past week i i was actually just reduced to tears um my eyes Oh,
0: poor little danny oh i'm so sorry you've been so miserable
1: not like in like pain but my eyes would like they were watering so bad that it looked like i had lost like my best friend in life (laughs) like oh so this rain is like this is the first time in a really long time when i'm like you know what, this Oregon rain, I'm, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with this <laughs>
0: right now. Are you sure it wasn't a result of the championships?
1: Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, I didn't care enough to, to be allergic to that. Okay, well, let me ask you this. So on
0: a scale of one to 10, how much did you enjoy the whole playoffs? Not just the championship series, but like the whole playoffs? Mm,
1: uh, six. Portland getting absolutely mm-hmm. steamrolled probably, uh, drops that quite significantly, but I liked a lot of the other series. The Indiana Cleveland series is really good. Got to see all depot mm-hmm. shine out. Um, really the, the, I guess the Cleveland series is with the exception of the finals were all really good. Um, huh?
0: like watching... two, two game sevens in the, in the conference finals. That was exciting.
1: Yeah. Um, watching Houston lose is always entertaining. Um, Trying to think of all the other things that kind of go along with that. Um, well Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't great, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't bad either.
0: Do you think we are seeing anything that's gonna tell us about the future of basketball? I mean, the way that people have changed their games to adapt to the team from the Bay Area. I mean, Houston looked like they were the closest. Do you think are we gonna just have you know, even more teams now trying to create rosters that play more ball, uh, or is somebody going to try to do something different to try to take down this team?
1: No, this is something I've talked about with a bunch of people over the last couple of weeks, and you can't replicate it unless you have a bunch of Hall of Fame caliber talent. And Houston's trying to, but even there, you know, they're, yeah, they were close. I, I get that. But, I mean, do we really see them? beating Golden State if Golden State's really running? I mean, I just... I I don't. And here's kind of how I feel about the entire situation. As far as team composition, I've always been a fan of <clears throat> the... Not necessarily the traditional big man, but the role of the big man. And we're seeing more of them in the league. And yeah, you can go small all you want, but if Embiid's healthy and he learns and he grows, Porzingis is healthy and he learns and he grows, AD uh, cat. And then you got this draft class with Ayton and, uh, Jackson. I mean, you've got so many of these big guys that they don't give a damn about your small ball. They just don't, mm-hmm. you, you can go small all you want, but they're going to punish you for it. So in, in the long run, I, I don't think there's any lineup out there that's short of three or four hall of famers. that's really going to beat the warriors. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, But what has worked throughout history is having dominant people who are big, and not necessarily just big men, but just being a bigger team. And I think ultimately that's what it will return to as things in the Bay kind of start to fall away.
0: So you were talking about big men. Are you you thinking that – and the ones that you listed are – their, their size is kind of traditional, but they have the their added skill sets, different. Yeah. Skills sets now. They, now these guys have added ball handling <laughs> and they've added three-point shooting or at least outside shooting, you know, farther away from the basket. Or, or is that what you're kind of getting yeah, at? Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's the same kind of thing that um, I talked about when, we, when talking about the NFL. Like the one thing everybody always says frequently is that, you know, you can't coach speed. Well, you can't coach size either. And when you do what these guys do um, at their size, there's no amount of small ball um, that takes them out of it. And I think as far as these guys that are coming in the league now, um, they they have these skill sets because there's no more Pete Newell big man camp. That's the the big part of it, at least for me. And then. So they just
0: simply don't do the big man camp anymore?
1: No, it doesn't exist, and there's nobody huh. really filling that role. I mean, don't get me wrong. Is that this... because everybody just has their own trainers now? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's guys like um, like Drew Hanlon who does phenomenal yeah. work in training with these guys, and they're improving in the areas that we're seeing that are more um, common in the NBA, where everybody's kind of a wing, or everybody's kind of a guard uh, type player. Um, but beyond that, like, who who's the real Who's the big man coach that's out there? I mean, the last time mm-hmm. the Blazers had a big man coach, he got fired.
0: Saw what happened there. <laughs> well, let me ask you about, just to drill down just on this a little bit, about our own big men. So um, Zach Collins, you know, isn't the, you know, he's he's not at the level of Embiid or Cat or Porzingis or anybody, but he does have the we, we think that he was um, added because of he has the ability to do the shooting. We haven't seen a lot of ball handling. I wonder if you think that might be possible.
1: Uh, if there's a skill set yep. that's out there that I think can be developed over any other, it's probably ball handling. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look around the league, you typically don't see guys that can't handle the ball all of a sudden be able to handle it. But if you've got a um a rough ability to do so at any point in time in your career. Um, it's something that I think hangs around and it grows little by little. Uh, we've seen Dame tighten up his handle. Um, it's its not like there's, there's it's, for me, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my own personal bias. I just think it's easier to improve on your ball handling than it is as a, as a shooter. Uh, historically, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen that
0: well i just i kind of feel like last year when uh, you know a couple things were going on behind the selection of collins and you know part of it was looking at the fact that nurkic and ed davis could potentially be gone and so they need to bring some new young center Uh, talent into the middle but I also felt like last year everybody was like casting about to try to find a try to find a unicorn and everybody was like oh um, you know all these all these other teams are getting these these big men with all these other skills besides just protecting the rim and getting block shots all the time um, and dunking and I I feel like you know Portland is hoping that Zach Collins can grow into that as well Myers Leonard uh, you know Who knows? This could be the year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't think I'm a huge fan of. He's shown some abilities. I'm still a huge fan of the unicorn hunting. And I think that was kind of a. Something that was kind of. Don't you think that's what was
0: behind it? Yeah, I think so. No,
1: I I absolutely think so. And I I just don't think that's the right way to go. Uh, I typically fall in line with the best player available, no no matter what you have. Um, Now, Mm -hmm. that changes obviously with. team construction, which is why I, I will always stand behind taking Odin over Durant. I mean, we're not talking about hindsight. We're talking about what where they were and what they needed at that time. You have Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, yeah, adding Kevin Durant would be great. And everybody's like, how could they not see that that he was going to fit perfectly in today's NBA? Nobody saw today's NBA coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the Warriors didn't. And I mean, if they did, they wouldn't have paid staff $12 million originally.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I think the thing about that debate is that it's really unsettled. It wasn't clear, which is why we're still talking about it all these all these years later. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about team construction. And because, you know, it is officially the off season now, and we've been in the off season for almost what forty eight hours and still no trades. I was waiting. How dare them. I know it's I, I know realistically it's gonna be a while, but Boy, it sure would be nice. But in the meantime, teams are getting ready for the draft. They are working out free agents. Neil Olshay has been hitting the circuits, telling everyone that we, that the Trailblazers have two exceptions. One from Alan Crabb and one from Noah Vonley totaling, I think, $16.5 million. So it sounds like he's out there. Uh, priming the pumps for the Blazers going out to spend a bunch of money or at least try to spend a bunch of money and then he's also been talking about how they might be more free with their draft picks there's all kinds of possibilities it's a little bit different conversation than we've had over the last few years where it was like stay the course
1: yeah the thing is is like everything isn't possible though and I think everybody knows that at this point um I'm I'm much more wait and see, prove it to me, let me see what you can do first. Because um, they've had these exceptions before, and they've had positions where um, they could do something, and they didn't. So um, I'm, I'm much more wait and see on it. Um, I, I think this is more, more marketing than anything else. Um, but maybe, it, maybe there is something uh, real to it, because there has to be. Um, I don't think it's by any stretch of the imagination at all. To say that um, this season jobs are on the line, Mm -hmm. Uh, both uh, as a general manager and coach in Portland. I don't think if they have another um, subpar or or, um, lower type season um, that they'll be allowed to continue.
0: We did get news that the Blazers would not... Let Terry Stotts go talk to Detroit. Is that who it yep. was? Yep,
1: that's the third team that's been publicly acknowledged um, by a source uh, in the uh, in the NBA. And uh, yeah, um, for everybody out there, it's still like, oh, you know, wh- what do we need Stotts for? What do we need Stotts for? That's another another franchise that's sitting here saying, you know, hey, we'd, we'd like to have Terry Stotts. So keep that in mind, Stotts haters.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and we know things can change in a moment, but as of now, it looks like Terry Sots will be in the coach's chair, at least at the beginning of the year. But let's talk about a couple of the things that the Blazers, so we talked with Steve DeWald about draft last week. Uh, we talked about some of the prospects that have brought in and some of the things the Blazers might do with that 24th pick. Let's pivot and talk a, a little bit about some of the free agents that the well, very briefly, just let's just talk about the free agents that um, stand out who have been called in to work out. Maybe you can shed a little light on, like, what does that mean?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, I, I know people when the article originally got put up uh, earlier this week about Omri Caspi as a potential add to Portland. People were upset or disturbed by it, like, Portland can do better. No, they can't. They're financially they're in a <laughs> position where they have to find these guys. They have to take a flyer on somebody and hope that they regain their form. Um, that's that's what the financial situation dictates. Uh, now we're hearing recently that Rodney Stuckey's been added to that list. Cajun uh, McDaniel's has been on that list. I mean, what do all these guys have in common? They're guys that are kind of on the outside looking in. They have a particular skill set. They're all um, bigger or uh, more athletic for their position than you typically uh, see. Um, now Stuckey obviously his athleticism is probably fading with his age, but um, Caspi 6'9", 6'10", McDaniel's is just a giant ball of muscle. Um, so I, I think it's pretty easy to see what Portland's looking at, trying to get bigger, stronger, more athletic. Um, contrast that though with the, the guys they're bringing in for the Giraffe, and it's a pile of six foot three to six foot five combo guards. But mm-hmm. what what are you not seeing here? You're not seeing a ton of small forwards, you know, which I think still is easily their weakest position, um, and you're not seeing any big men whatsoever. So, um, if you believe anything that's tied to the reports coming out of Bosnia that Nurkic has kind of got a deal in place, um, I think that might tie back to the fact that Portland has basically told him, "Hey, go," you know go see what you can get. We'll match up to X amount. Um, and they're pretty comfortable with where they're sitting or they have a deal in place with Nurkic already.
0: I just hope whatever that number is, it's reasonable and they stick with it. I'm going to say that every week until free agency is over.
1: <laughs> I mean, the reality of any deals in Portland is there's always going to be a premium placed on it. I'm playing in Portland. It's just a price that comes up being in this market. It sucks, but Very rarely do I think is Portland going to find themselves in a position to um, capitalize and get a a really good deal on a above or above average or top tier player.
0: Well, now hold on a minute. I mean, okay, the popular narrative is that free agents don't want to come to Portland, and I get that, you know, it's harder to attract the, the big names when you're in a market, especially one that is far away from everything else. But I don't think it's hopeless to think that someone's going to want to come play with Damian Lillard. I mean, uh, um, he's a popular guy in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've held out hope for that idea now for a while. And what year are we in?
0: Five, six, five. <laughs> but it took, a, it took a few years to realize, you know, how big he was going to be
1: is is that it or is it that portland's just not a desirable market and i mean and it's not just damian lillard i mean guys didn't really want to come play with um with Brandon roy and i mean and Brandon was I that just, dude I just don't, from day i'm not one. sure
0: that i buy that anymore to disprove it but i'm just not sure that i buy it to this i mean the world is such a smaller place than it ever was before they can you know jet off to, they can play a game in london in the middle of the season and fly back i mean i know they only do it once but it's just i'm just not quite sure that i buy that so what you're trying to say here hard. is
1: that uh london is where england is where they need to go and it's the return of joel freeland
0: Yes, I would love to have Joel Freeland back. Post Moose in his hair Joel Freeland. Once he got Moose in his hair, he like just became a whole different beast and it was like he was amazing. Just too much. But to no, we them. don't need Joel Freeland. We can they can the Blazers will be fine without him, although it's it's fun to remember the good times, right?
1: <laughs> good old Joel.
0: Okay. Well, so let's let's stop pining for Joel and let's start talking trade because really that's the heart what we're going to spend the next months doing is talking trades and talking free agents. Um, I can see we haven't, we didn't get very far in our free agent discussion. We'll have to save that for another one, but I really wanted to talk about a few proposals that I have seen out there just to get your read on some of them. And I don't know. I'm pretty sure none of them are even feasible but I would love to hear your logic as how you go through them because the trade proposals are going to be coming fast and furious. And I want to know how to like logically look at them, break them down into the different components, and you know make my own decisions about whether or not they're good or uh, feasible or not. Okay, let's do it. So the first one I'm going to give you is – wild and way out there so scratch what i just said about good and feasible ah, right. <laughs> but uh
1: garbage takes right out of the game so, let's do it
0: yeah right so this one comes from Cavs nation which is obviously a Cavs blog and uh the the author of the story the author of the the person who's proposing the trade he went with the idea that in cleveland they're going to just tear everything down that LeBron will be gone. They'll blow up the whole thing and they will start from scratch, looking at all the other assets that they have besides LeBron, what kind of a team could he build? And he went one step further and actually connected it to NBA 2K and had NBA 2K do all of the drafting for him and be the GM for him. So um, strangely enough, it's quite a better job than a lot of teams I've
1: seen. What? I said, so strangely enough, 2K can actually do a better job than some of the, the GMs I've seen.
0: <laughs> sure. So what what it spit out for, in this case, that is relevant to the Blazers is that the Blazers receive Kevin Love <sighs> and the Cleveland Cavaliers would receive CJ McCollum and Caleb Swanigan. So Kevin Love to Portland is not new. CJ in trade talks is not new. What do you think of this one?
1: Oh, boy. Um on a scale of uh, one to dumpster fire, it's ranging high on the dumpster fire. That's just. Okay, why? Um, number one, I, I've never been a, a big Kevin Love fan. Number two, um, I, Love's not worth what he once was. Uh, this is a guy that's had a pile of concussions. Um, he, the NBA game is not really meant for him right now. He's on the downside of his prime. Uh, he's been injury prone as, as could be lately. Um, CJ's a better player and a more valuable asset than Love right now. Like I, I just, there's just too too many things that fly in the faces. And then you're, they're saying they're going the, the the Portland's going to toss in Caleb Swanigan too. And I'm just like, wait, they're throwing in more for this. Uh, it's like I, I get that it's 2K and it's not just somebody um, throwing this out there with you know actually believing it. But he's still, like, uh, man, that's 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 bad. I mean, we were talking about the, the idea that C.J. McCollum could be included in a trade for either Paul George or G, uh, Jimmy Butler, and now, a year later, it's, we're saying it's going to take C.J. McCollum and Caleb Swanigan just to get Kevin Love? Like, what? I mean, I know C.J.'s season oh. was a down season, but it wasn't that far down.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think Kevin Love and CJ actually make about the same amount of money. And Kevin Love is he's uh for 18, 19 and then 1920. So he's got two years left and CJ has three years
1: left. Uh I think uh, dang, it made me Google this. Uh, for some reason I thought CJ came up in twenty as well. Uh, 2021. So he's got another another year on top of that. So,
0: so this would be a, a one year shorter. Uh-huh. And you know, see, when was the last time CJ threw a court long outlet pass?
1: Well, th- this is true. Um, CJ does not have <laughs> Kevin Love's uh, rebounding or passing acumen when it comes to outlet passes, but. I'll say this. When was the last time a blazer ran full court for an outlet pass?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: You got to have the personnel. Well, it's the to chicken it. and the egg, right? I, I mean, maybe
0: nobody who's run full court outlet pass. Cause there was nobody there to throw it. Well,
1: I mean, if you're, if you're really looking at though, I think you have to at least go, okay, who's the guy that's going to go do that. And the first one, obviously that comes to mind is Maurice Harkless beyond that, perhaps Aminu, but beyond that, who is a regular contributor that's that guy? When you've got two pick-and-roll type point guards who are very good at what they do um, and both have holes in their game when it comes to getting out in transition and creating those easy buckets in those instances um, and finishing in traffic among the trees because of their size, does the love skill set really provide all that much? I mean, Portland's a great rebounding team already, so I don't think they really need to improve their rebounding by any measure. Um, having a four or five that's out there that can consistently uh, shoot the three, I think is uh, is nice, but I think CJ's ability to create and hit the three is more valuable right now, and would be more valuable, especially if CJ was gone, <laughs> than Love's standstill catch and shoot three point shooting.
0: I guess I just feel uh, very protective of Kevin Love after all that he's been through, and if it wasn't for the concussions that he recent like very recently suffered during the finals, at least one of them. Um, I was a little higher on this possible, on the possibility of Kevin Love coming to Portland about a month ago, because I was just like three point shooting, rebounding outlet passes. I think we could make some good use of it, but after watching him in the finals, watching him get hurt again, um, I think, you know, I-, I see what you're saying about just like the talent discrepancy. Is there somebody else besides CJ in in this case, it was CJ who was proposed. I mean, uh, they, anyth- they could, anybody could bring that in you Kevin think Love? that no, uh, Cavs would want?
1: No, the the only thing I can see working there is um, Zach Collins. But then you have to throw in the contract, um, and that's I don't, that's what you know. Cleveland's trying to get away from. But if they're talking about blowing things up, then perhaps taking on a bad contract in the place of. Um, you know, getting a young asset like Zach Collins could be something you're talking about. But I just, I don't see them being willing to take on what would need be to, be to be either Myers and Harkless or um, Evan Turner in order to make that kind of deal work.
0: <laughs> so that, you know, they're not taking uh, Myers and Turner and <laughs> Harkless.
1: Um, I mean, yeah, one, so that was not
0: happening. And we knew it, but it was a warm, right? And I love thinking about trying to figure out what is going to happen in Cleveland, because obviously if LeBron is gone, the whole thing is going to be blown up all those players were brought in to be with LeBron. I think it's going to be so interesting and so confusing to see what's going to happen because all the domino, like if LeBron LeBron has is like the first domino to fall, but he's not going to fall for a while. He's going to sit around and think about it for a while. And it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens. Okay. Well, the next trade that I want to, To bring to your attention, comes from our friends at Indy Cornrose, and this one also involves CJ. Uh, In this case, Portland receives Sabonis, Al Jefferson, and Bojan Bogdanovic, and a 2019 first-round pick. And Indiana would take back CJ McCollum and Evan Turner. What do you think of this proposal?
1: First of all, Indy is not taking back Evan Turner. Ever, and it's, <laughs> and it's not because of the contract. It's just because of the way things went there. Uh, I, I just, I don't think it's, I, I, I don't think Evan Turner would allow something like this to happen.
0: Um, He's not going to be the Steve Blake of the Pacers. No, um, things didn't go well for him there.
1: I mean, that's just the reality of it. So, Well, he
0: was only there for the second half. Yeah, but he was blamed for an awful of the season. And somebody could convince him that things are different now. I mean, that the team is completely different now.
1: It it is, but the fan base isn't. And he was Mm -hmm. he was eating up pretty good um, for I think a lot of things that weren't his fault. Um, And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, if Evan Turner's contract is so bad that the sweetener that needs to be tossed in with it is C.J. McCollum. Boy, the Blazers are in a lot worse position than I thought they were. Like, I don't think they're in the best position, obviously, but that they could possibly be there. Like in order to move that deal, is going to require Evan or CJ McCollum. God dang. No, no. And then on top of that. I don't even
0: think that those players add up to enough money to get CJ and Evan, that's a lot of money.
1: Even, even that, and and he does have some space. So that's, that's part of it. Mm. And then like, what is Portland really getting back here? More bigs and a conditional first round pick. Like, yeah, that's what they need. Like more, more, more bigs. And then a, a first round pick. Like, I mean, if the Pacers are doing this, getting CJ McCollum to pair with Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner, um, the, like, where, where's that first-round pick going to be? I mean, come on now. Like, is it, like, I get that I don't always have the best trade ideas, but, I mean, at least mine are founded in some logic. <laughs> like, there's, there's, there's nothing here that makes any sense. That's just... Don't get me wrong. I like Babies' bonus. I think he's a nice player. Um, Bob Donovich is a nice player, too, but let's not forget he's not, you know, 10 years old. He's, he's, a young, or he's an older dude that came in the league from Europe. Uh, Al Jefferson is eh, he's he's just a toss in, that's that's all he is. So really, you're you're trading CJ McCollum for Baby Sabonis, Bogdanovich, and a non lottery pick. I mean, the, the, these two trades together, I'm like, is, is like, am I that blind? Like, I'm not the biggest CJ fan in the world. I think he's a great player. I think he'd be a phenomenal number three on a team. But and he's one of the better two guards in the league. Okay, now I have to get into this because I had this argument on Twitter the other day, and it it it's still and it kind of ties in with the Pacers here. So I want to get your, your thoughts real quick. There were people that were saying that CJ McCollum is a top five shooting guard in the league. Now, I don't find that to be true at all because there's two sides to the basketball court, and CJ's not so dominant on the offensive end as to ignore that side of the floor. Um, throw in that the two-guard... Crop uh, has some serious talent at the top. And I think it drops CJ to, he's a top 10 easily, but there's a, a, a big mm-hmm. gap. And the guys that I have, obviously, Harden is one of them. Um, but I've got Oladipo and Bradley Beal both as um, better or, or more effective players than um, McCollum right now. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't, people were, were, Shocked that I said that. I'm like, why, why, why is this surprising? What about this is surprising that uh, Victor Ledipo, who's a true no nonsense two way guard, same with Beal, who both had phenomenal seasons, who are both bigger, more th- more athletic, and do more things. Like, I mean, well, so there's there's two players who
0: are the other the other two in front of him that makes him fall out of five.
1: Uh, I had Harden. Hold. Let me pull up, pull up my list now. Um, good God! You gotta make me do it. Uh, well,
0: that's the thing. Everybody's always throwing around top five, top ten, top fifteen, and I have this theory that when people say top fifteen, it's because they like I really like this person, but don't ask me to name. The people in front of them. But if you're gonna go out there and say top five, I want to know the. Okay, I so want to know the five.
1: I, I listed them this way. Because oh, I wanted to get the exact order: Harden, Clay, Oladipo, Butler, and Beal. Would you Would you take yeah, CJ over I, any of those guys? No. It maybe be. Well, why Why would you take him over Beal?
0: Because I think Beal is less consistent. You see here, or he's just a harder fit, maybe. I, I mean, see, I these don't, things I don't think didn't go the case. great in Washington this no, last year.
1: No, but I think that's more John Wall than anything else. But the, the reason I, I, I singled out Oladipo and Beal particularly because people wanted to, because people watch CJ all the time. Being that Oladipo and Beal mm-hmm. are in the Eastern Conference, and people are going to get a chance to see these guys a ton. Unless you're watching NBA league pass like a maniac, like me, you're probably only catching these guys two or three times a year. Now. Mm-hmm. Both Beal and Oladipo perform at or above where C.J. does in isolation scoring and and pick-and-roll ball handler. And we talk about how good C.J. is in those particular instances. And yet these guys are doing it at or better than him in those areas. And they provide uh, exponentially better defense. And they're both phenomenal defenders and transition scoring players. These mm-hmm. are these are both guys that can absolutely light up an, an, an opposing defense with their ability to get out in the open floor and score.
0: Well, CJ can do that too. In the open floor, but
1: he. Oh, you mean the transition? Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't see them. I don't. I don't see CJ ever yeah, being no. that, that guy. And those free points true. is something the Blazers struggled yeah, with all season long. And. Uh, Oladipo and Beal are guys that get you that regularly. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got guys that are bigger, stronger, faster, more versatile, have more to their game. And yet still people want to be CJ's clearly head and shoulders above these guys. Now, I, I get that there's a, a Portland bias or you want to love your guys. That's fine. I, I, have, I have no disagreement or argument with that. That's That's totally cool. But when you're talking about it in the, from an objective standpoint, I, I don't understand how you can put those guys um, behind McCollum. And, but to get back to the trade talk, I still, and this this is kind of where it comes out back around, is that I don't think C is a bad player by any shape, manner, or form. I just think there mm-hmm. are guys that are in front of him that are better, uh, that you can measurably take from. Um, and I think that asking for quite a bit for a, a CJ McCollum trade is something that's absolutely totally fine
0: mm-hmm. oh so you're saying the 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 blazers should try to get more and both of the trades that were proposed because they were coming from other teams <laughs> didn't get Portland enough back
1: yeah no I mean not even close I mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, in, in just like full disclosure here I'm I'm a huge Victor Oladipo fan. Uh, the draft that he came out in, if you guys want, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll put the link in there. Um, one of the first things I think I ever wrote, like it was, you know, remotely long winded. I know people who are familiar with my writing know how ridiculous that is. Um, was about the Blazers finding a way to trade for, um, Victor Oladipo. Like for his draft rights. Um, so I, 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 I guess that I one didn't end bias. up on
0: Mr. Olshay's desk just yet, huh? Yeah, no,
1: I wish. I wish.
0: <laughs> well, let's move on because I put these in order on purpose. I, I gave you two proposals from other teams that were pretty lopsided. But the one I'm going to end up is one that you actually put out on Twitter. So I want to have you explain Woo-hoo. it. Um, it's a big un. I'll I'll do the synopsis and then you can like talk about your reasoning. So Portland, this is a three-way trade. So Portland sends McCollum to Cleveland, Leonard to Milwaukee, and the twenty-fourth pick to Milwaukee. Cleveland sends the eighth pick to Milwaukee. Lucky Milwaukee, Um, Smith and Corver to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee sends Brogdon, Middleton, and Henson. To Portland. So in summary, Portland ends up with Brogdon, Middleton, and Henson. Cleveland ends up with McCollum and Milwaukee ends up with two picks and Smith and Leonard and Corver. Okay. So we will put this in the show notes so people can look at that. Dan, yes. walk us through your proposal. Pretend that you you've been called in to say, what's the one thing that what's the thing the Blazers need to do?
1: So it's, it's no secret that I've been a fan of Middleton for a long time, and it's a bummer because this deal will never happen now because of how he looked in the playoffs. Um, but uh, if you're Portland and you're contemplating moving C.J. McCollum, the deal that's most often been mentioned, I believe, um, as far as nationally goes, is either one with Philly or one with Cleveland. And now I don't think the eighth pick alone is worth C.J. McCollum. I think something else has to be tied to that. Um, so I, I wanted to broaden it out into three teams. Now, Milwaukee's a team that uh, they've got a new coach. Um, they uh, have an obscene amount of talent with um, Giannis and um, guys like Thon Maker. Um, but there's the there's one thing that's lacking is consistent shooting. So, guy like jr smith i know consistent shooting jr smith but a guy like jr smith who has a reputation as a shooter reputation <laughs> Koya korver who is a dyed in the wool shooter uh, myers leonard is a guy who has the propensity to be a shooter i think with those kind of guys around a guy like Giannis, who has so much positional flexibility is huge um but they're also getting the eighth and 24th picks now the eighth pick I think is probably going to end up being somebody like Michael Porter Jr. Um, now imagine Milwaukee adding a six foot ten multifaceted athlete who can score basically from all levels alongside Giannis with a bunch of shooters, and you obviously you're, you're backfilling some of the um, contract obligations by bringing in a rookie. Um, Cleveland they get to pick up a guy in. Uh, McCullum, who's both an Ohio guy who would play alongside LeBron, um, damn near about as good as you could ask for. Uh, For Portland, though. Does this this work if LeBron stays or goes? I don't think so, because I think Cleveland's going to want to keep that eighth pick. I think that that becomes much more valuable to them at that point in time. This is more about if LeBron stays, or this is something that convinces him to stay. Uh, I don't think he's going to be... too apt to uh, hold on to Jr. Smith after game one. <laughs> I don't think that's the kind of thing that you forget. <laughs> um, for Portland's point Poor of J. view. Yeah, man, man. But from Portland's point of view, this is probably like the best opportunity here because uh, let's start from the back end of the trade. You're, you're moving a, a 24th pick that you're probably not going to do a whole lot with anyways. Um, the, the value of it to you really probably isn't that great. Um, uh, Myers Leonard, uh, we've talked about needing a new start and a new fit somewhere else. Uh, they swap him for Henson. Who's a guy, um, who probably needs the same kind of treatment. Um, mm-hmm. Portland is giving up shooting in a nutshell, uh, or the possibility of shooting in Myers. Um, but I, I think everybody would agree that from the basketball side of things, it makes sense that, um, Myers get a fresh start somewhere else. But moving McCullum for and and My, Myers on the twenty fourth pick for Chris Middleton, I think is huge. You get a six foot eight guard forward tweener type who can do an awful lot. Uh, he gives you a ton on both ends of the floor. Um, with that, is the, Middleton a shooter? Like, what's his? Describe yeah. his game. No, he he's more of the traditional shooter. Now he's got some some ability to shoot off the bounce and create for himself. He's not on CJ's level in that instance. Um, And that is, I think where you're giving some of that up, but his ability to defend multiple positions to create off the dribble, to knock down shots at all levels, to finish in transition. I mean, there's a lot of things that he can do um, that Portland really struggles in. Now you're going to give up a a few things as far as um, the ability to create off the dribble consistently and work out of the pick and roll. But I think the flexibility that you get from uh, a guy like Middleton outweighs those uh, those shortcomings. And then you bring in a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who let's not forget was a Rookie of the Year, and I mean he's he's not exactly a uh, a bad player to have on a cost control contract for another year. Uh, Henson, just you know, that's your that's your your flop pick or your switch for for Leonard. So. Um, I think something like this is the best possible scenario for Portland: is getting an above-average uh, replacement player for McCollum, getting somebody young on a controlled contract in Brogdon, and swapping bad deals. Without, I mean, you're really not giving up a ton in the grand scheme of things, um, as far and, and, and then the the value you get in return. And let's not forget. Uh, uh, Middleton's on a fourteen million dollar deal too, so you're getting some some cap relief there as well.
0: What about the, the other teams? What do they say? What are their what are their Why would they hesitate or why would they jump at any of these?
1: I think you touched on it first of all with, with Cleveland, um, with the, whether or not LeBron stays or goes. Um, Milwaukee, um, and this is where I think it's, it's probably a no. Is that um, Middleton has. Proven to be worth his weight in gold. I mean, his production at, at his um, cost, when we talked about this last week, um, the production-to-cost ratio, uh, Middleton's probably one of the best in the league. I mean, he, he truly is phenomenal uh, right now.
0: Um, I mean, if I was Milwaukee, I'd be like, really, J.R. Smith. Kyle Korver and Myers Leonard. I mean, Jr. Smith and Kyle Korver, they're great. They've they've been great players for years, but they are on the far end of, I'm I'm speaking as Milwaukee right now. They're on the far end of their usefulness right now. And, you know, Leonard hasn't even played. And we're going to give you Brogdon and Middleton.
1: Yeah, this is about more than anything. It's about the eighth pick. That that's really what it comes down to. Um, how much does a team like Milwaukee value that eighth pick? You know, what what's what's it worth to them? And that's that's probably my hesitation too. Uh, is it's not quite enough. I, I was trying to think of a, another way to make it work, but financially, this is what makes sense. And again, Middleton was so good in the playoffs um, last year, this past season that it's it's nearly impossible to think that. Uh, they would have anything to do with giving up Middleton.
0: What about from, from Cleveland instead of Smith or Corver, a guy like Larry Nance jr.
1: Yeah. No, that's, so that's a little com- bit politely do younger. Yeah, no, that, 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 that makes sense. Um, I would be all for, it. I just, I dollars wise. I'm not entirely certain it works, but mm-hmm. Nance was one of the guys that I was considering as well.
0: hmm Well, I can definitely see more to this proposal than to the other ones, <laughs> but I think we're going to have a whole lot more between now and the end of the, well, I mean, none trade of which doesn't it really end until the trade deadline.
1: And even then it's, you but know, it, you're starting to ramp it, up for the next season.
0: Yeah, but it, it does. It, it comes in waves. What do you think is going to the date of the first trade? What's your, uh, What's your guess on the date of the first big trade?
1: Uh, it's hard to get a feel for it right now. I
0: there's usually there' an early one yeah, last year. There's
1: usually something leading up to the trade deadline or to the uh, to the draft day. So a team knows was it Jimmy kind
0: of, But or was that on draft night? I feel like there was one a couple of days before.
1: Yeah. Um, there, there typically are a couple before. Like the safe bet is always to say draft night, but I think there'll be mm-hmm. one before because a team wants to be certain of the position that they're going to be in. Um, and then it, it just makes things easier to, to kind of, oh, it was the Philadelphia
0: one. Philadelphia happened early last year, Philadelphia and Boston for the picks.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's always they- something that, that happens along the way. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, safe bet is, is, is draft night. Um, If you you wanted to take a little bit longer, it's probably two days before.
0: All right. Well, I think we should bookend this podcast with more championship talk. But I'm not talking about NBA championship. I'm talking about the championship that should matter to Blazer fans. You know which one I'm talking about? The
1: Blazers are winning. The Blazers are winning.
0: Yes, Blazer Blazer 5. 5 Gaming just won a tournament. This is very exciting. I don't know why we're not more excited on Twitter. I think, like, everybody was so cranky tonight, and I just was like, come on, Blazer 5 Gaming just won the first midseason tournament. So let let, let me make sure I have... They they played in the preseason tournament or the early season tournament, and they won all their games except for the last one. So they lost in the championship round of their first tournament, and then they entered regular play, where they have so far won all of their games in the regular play, and then they had another tournament, and they were undefeated, and they won the championship in that tournament.
1: Yeah, so Blazer 5 Gaming has easily been the best storyline as far as 2 the NBA 2K League is concerned. This um, thought the is great. Yeah, they are basically beating up on everybody. Um, they have three of the top 10 MVP candidates right now, um, and keep in mind that they, they, they picked... had the
0: MVP of the tournament, yep, mama, the... I'm that man.
1: Yep. So they, they're the guys that they selected and the team that they built has done really, really well. They're undefeated in regular season play. They made it to the title game of the first, uh, the opening, the first in season tournament, and they closed out and won uh, pretty handily against Celtic gaming, um, in the, uh, the turn tournament, the mid season tournament. Um, so they're, the level at which they're playing at right now is, is pretty spectacular. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it's nice to see, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's nice to see the Portland, Portland uh, name kind of, uh, doing well. Um, even if it's not the, in the traditional, uh, role, but, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys are, uh, they gotta be happy cause you know, they brought down another $75,000 prize pool to be split among all of them. And, uh, so does each tournament have
0: like a different purse that they compete for. Uh,
1: yeah, each tournament has on top has of their regular a, salary. A, yeah, each tournament has a purse. I'm, I don't know if they're all the same or if there's different values to each one. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what the the purse was for the um, for the first tournament, but I do know that the total purse for uh, this tournament was one hundred and fifty thousand um, to be split out. So these guys. Uh, are making around $32,000 a year base pay um, in the 2K League. And then they're getting um, the additional split here. So, I mean, you're looking at these guys basically making $50,000 a year right now to play 2K. Which, I mean, if you can get it, not a bad deal.
0: Yeah. How do you feel? Uh, does, is that Are they making you more than G League players?
1: Right now, yes. But I, that's, that's going to change.
0: In the in that G League players are going to make more,
1: yes. G League players will start making more here next year. Um, that's that's something that's coming. Um, so I wouldn't be too surprised to uh to see that. Um, that is a little bit weird, but I mean, it also shows you the level of um commitment that the league has right now with uh with 2K.
0: Well. It is quite fun, and the Blazers have three of the top ten players. And I'm going to say their names. You're going to be very impressed by Mama. I'm that man. That boy shots, and wild wa- one. Wild walnut, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: yep. You almost you almost left wild walnut off.
0: I know. can't do my. I well, almost left that. the wild part off. I there know. it's One wild. One wild. Walnut. Yeah. These guys are fun to watch, and I I can't believe how much enjoyment I've been getting out of Blazer Five Gaming. Perhaps it's be, perhaps if the Blazers hadn't lost it so quickly in the playoffs, I would have not latched onto them so quickly. But it just you know it just feels right that the Blazers would, or that that Portland would you know come right out of the gate and just be really good at this, and then next year everybody else will figure something out. That'll be the end of
1: it. No, no, I mean, okay. but it's. I, I get that that, that esports and, and 2K gaming isn't for everybody, but if, if you want something to kind of check out and um, spend a few minutes watching to see if it's for you, turn on a turn on a match on Twitch. Go to go to the, go to Twitch TV and um, check out the, the competitions they have going. Um, the the Blazer Five Gaming is back at it. I want to say it's the 16th against the Sixers. I wrote the article, so I yeah, they're going to put it on
0: the Sixers, the yep. only team that they have lost to. Yep.
1: So it, it's as far it's as it's going to be exciting. Go. Yeah. I mean, it's it's trust the process versus Rip City. Um, it's, <laughs> it's 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 going to be fun. Like I, I genuinely find myself enjoying it, um, if for nothing else, because I just got it. I I want I want basketball so badly right now.
0: I know. Well, there is WNBA, and I watched the Seattle Storm lost a heartbreaker today. It was a, it was a bummer. But uh, Blazers 5 Gaming is fun. I found the easiest way to stay in touch with their games is to – I actually set the notification on Twitter for them. It got a little bit busy over the weekend because of this tournament, (laughs) but that's the best way for me to know when a game is going to start and get like the direct link to it. Cause otherwise you're just like hunting around on Twitch and that's nowhere. I want to be hunting around. I have no business trying to hunt and find my way around. is
1: a scary, scary place to hunt around. Anyway, stay out of the chat. Right. So I
0: just subscribe to them on Twitter and turn on the notifications when I know that there is a game coming up. So I'll know when it starts. So I think we probably should just go ahead and wrap it up here, Dan. Uh, pretty soon, we're going to actually have find out what the Blazers are going to do with that 24 pick. But in the meantime, where can people find your work?
1: Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at DMRANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. And you can find me on Tuesdays and Thursday nights on Blazers Outsiders on NBC Sports Northwest at 7 p.m., we are on, also on NBC Sports Northwest Rip City Radio 620 simulcast, Facebook Live, and we're messing around with some Twitch and Periscope too. And I got a cool announcement to make, and I don't know if I have the okay to do it, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Um, Portland Pickles are having a uh, Blazers night. I believe it's July 12th, and uh, Joe Simon, Shane Brennan, and I will uh, will be out there tossing out the first pitch. All three live. of you. Yep, and uh, the, the first pitches, um, and then uh, we'll be doing a live show out there uh, at, at the uh, Pitbull game.
0: Oh, that'll be fun.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, because you know, a, a TV show with Holton Drew should definitely going to a live broadcast from a, uh, a from a baseball, baseball
0: game. game, right?
1: <laughs> Let's go. We're just doing, we're doing down,
0: everything so. we can to just get through this off-season. I don't know why. It just seems so torturously long already. Well, I know that's why it seems so torturously long. Anyway, I want to remind folks that they can also email us blazersedgepod at gmail.com. Send us your best trade proposals or your questions or your thoughts on what the Blazers might do in this off-season. You can also find me on Twitter at TCB biggs and I think that's all about, about all I've got to share right now all right what's And we're all one big happy podcasting family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: everybody there, You're all winners. Uh, everybody out there is great. So, um, but yeah, no, seriously, folks, if you can't take a minute.